Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 95, recorded live on Thursday, March 26, 2009. And here are your hosts, the man who was able to go out on his own and get his own hair cut, Andy Lowe. Hi. And the man who I'm guessing still hasn't been able to go out to get his hair cut, Dave Play. You're wrong. You actually got it cut? I got it cut. <gasps> There's a crowd of applause. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was actually going to call you up the other day and see if you'd gotten your hair cut. <laughs> yeah, well, I had mock interviews yesterday. Oh, so... So I decided to take care of it. It wasn't for the mock interviews. I'd been planning to do it anyways, but they lined up kind of nicely. <laughs> I'd gotten a half day at school, so... Where'd you get it cut at? Campus Barber. Oh, okay. My usual place. Ah, yes. I found out why they closed early that one day, too. Which was? Well, there were three generations of people working in that store, and the third generation, the, the granddaughter of the oldest one, had her wedding. Oh, so yeah, when you've got a family-run so, business, there are reasons yeah. the family-run business should be closed. And that is one of them. Yes. So, yeah. See, I'm still a Nichols Arcade Barber for some odd reason. I'm just... That's, you know, that's fine. They do a good job with you. I like Campus Barber. I'll tell you, it's really nice, though. I walked into school today, and every period, every period, every class I had, students walked in and were like, oh, Mr. Pillay, you got your hair cut. Well, yes, that's because you had a small mop growing on your head. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's kind of nice because they were all like, wow, it looks so good. I, I like it. And I was thinking, that, like, see, this is why I only get it cut every, like, three to four months is that when you get it cut people notice yes because when you chop down a tree that's over 300 years old people (laughs) notice ah but what if it's in the middle of a forest with no one around does it make a sound well somebody had to chop it down could have swallowed over (laughs) but it's a 300 year old tree they're supposed to stand strong and tall and such isn't the oldest tree something like a thousand years old Um, something like that (laughs) Thuzala Does it actually have a name? The tree, it's a very famous tree. They named it. They named it Methuselah because he was the person who lived the longest in the Bible. Oh, that makes sense. It's like this huge, really old tree. <laughs> and the knowledge that Dave has grows obscure. Brr. Mm-hmm. Brr. A, a, more, more obscure, right? More obscure, I don't know. Obscure-er. That can't be right. It is a blue pine in the White Mountains of California. <laughs> Estimated germination was 2,832 B.C. Somebody needs to run into it with a truck. (laughs) That would be terrible. But so funny. 4,789 years old. (laughs) And it's in California? Yep. And that is true. There's no, like... Why wouldn't it... Like, where else would it be? Well, if you think about it, because the human civilization kind of started out of the Mesopotamia area... But then if yeah. you think about it, plants real, but really... Plants have been here a lot longer. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There was one nicknamed Prometheus, which was 4,844 years old when they cut it down in 1964. <laughs> Do they give a reason why they cut it down? They probably had no idea what that old. <laughs> it's a really old tree here. Well, let's cut it down for wood. <laughs> Hopefully the wood burned a very long time. Uh, So, yeah, I think Methuselah is the uh, oldest known tree in the world right now. Isn't also like technically like there's some trees out in Colorado that are like the world's largest organism? Because their Uh, roots have them all connected. 
fungus that is. Oh, is it the fungus? There's like a, a single fungus that grows to be like six feet long or something. I thought it was like a whole group of trees was the world's largest organism. Uh-huh. I don't know. This would be things that I would Google if I was bored. There is a clonal tree, uh, which is 80,000 to 1 million years old. Is that what you're talking about? I don't know. It covers 107 acres. The Aspen Grove? Yeah, the quaking Aspen. Yes. Are you now looking at the Wikipedia article for largest organism? I'm looking at the Wikipedia article for list of oldest trees. Oh. I'm looking at the... God, Wikipedia is just... That is a time sink. Yeah. Well, we can come back to that later. Yeah, there's. it covers 106 acres. And it's yeah. basically a uh, the the pando the tree. These tr- trees have the oddest name. Quaking at the trembling Populus giant. tremuloidus. All right, we need. To- <laughs> this is not on our list of topics, Dave. No. So my computer died. I was drinking. Yesterday, I I came back from the mock interviews and the the dinner reception that they had for all the student teachers and their cooperating teachers. I come back to my apartment and it's quiet. And usually there's the whir of a fan going. I'm like, Hmm. I came in, I looked and my computer was turned off. I didn't remember turning it off, but it's always possible that I, you know, said shut down before I left. And so I go turn it on and the LEDs flash on for a second and then turn off. So, huh? What was it? Well, I, pulled it out and you know if you turn off the power in the back and unplug it and then plug it back in turn it on uh it'll turn on for like a quarter of a second and then shuts down it just powers off it's not the power supply because there's power being delivered to the board i can see that it's got that little light on the inside ah so you know i start going through systematically i pull out the hard drives i don't disconnect them but i pull them out and just you know, look around, kind of see if there's anything loose. And what's the first thing I pull out after I've gone through all that? Any the, guesses, Andy? The RAM? Nope. The, well, you pulled out all the cards. What did what'd you do, unseat the CPU? Nope. Pulled out the graphics card. Well, yeah, when you say you pulled out all the cards, wouldn't that be No, possible? no, no. I mean disconnected the graphics card. Oh. Pulled the power. And I turn it on, and it works just fine. Are There's one sh- small problem. Are you sure it's not the power supply, the, the graphics card pulling too much juice from the power supply? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure, because for like the last two weeks, the computer has started to blue screen from the graphics card. Ouch. Fan problem so, or what? I have no idea. Uh, but it's still under warranty, so I get to send that in and be like, give me a new one. <laughs> or more accurately, give me a refurbished one. Uh, so yeah, the graphics card's sitting by my bed right now and i'd be recording with that computer except for the small problem of it doesn't have a graphics card oh you don't even have onboard video nope Ooh. ouch so i can't get to my computer <laughs> on the plus side it's cleaner than it's been in a long time Did you i attacked it? it with a vacuum yeah and I also attack the heat sink with a, a something to try and knock out all the dust. A can of air? Nope. Little uh, paper clip. Oh. <laughs> I just bent a paper clip. 
you know, touch the side so it uh, grounded, and then just attack the heat sink with it. Ah, uh, okay. So, um, kind of funny. I was just thinking about this because the the uh, basketball games are supposed to start with about in an hour or so. Yeah. Um, Dave had talked about last time how none of the um, teams, whoever first round, would lose the first round game. And I had talked about Pittsburgh going the entire way unless Pittsburgh um, destroys themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you didn't hear about this, but Pittsburgh <clears throat> ranked as the number one seed almost lost their first round game. Oh, so close. Yep. What was the final score? Well, the final score wasn't as close as the game actually was, but I think okay. the, um, was it Pittsburgh and East Tennessee, East Tennessee State? The, the game was close. Hmm. I'm trying to look it up that. now. Michigan. Pittsburgh, 84, well, let's, let's say that was Oklahoma State. But, yeah, oh, 72 to 62. 72 to 62. 10 points, but I... Th- I'm and that's to... a low-scoring game, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Well, I know that Michigan's out, so I, you know, stopped paying attention, but... No, that's not true. All right. I'd never um, started paying attention. East Tennessee State was within 59-57 with 4 minutes and 27 seconds left. So... Who was it also? It was Connecticut and... Who was the 16th? Connecticut was uh, Chattanooga. Yeah, for like the first half of the game was really, really close. Now, granted, the final score was, I know, like 110 to 40 something. Yeah. I I called that the the Chattanooga train wreck. Yeah, (laughs) totally good. Yeah, I I Uh, thought so. Nobody else got the the gist of it, though. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, Andy. Are you now thinking of railroads in your head now? Yeah. It was the last game I had gotten to play on my desktop before it went kaput. Uh, but the uh, that was a close game for the first couple minutes. But yeah, but you you have to finish the game. Yeah. That that's the that's the problem with the Eastern Michigan football team is we never finished a game. Well, now you have a nice new coach. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm expecting good things out of Eastern this year. Games should, what, August would be the start of the preseason games for football? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Eastern's games. I think they'll be pretty good this year. We'll see. I'm hoping for a winning season for Eastern. <laughs> and Michigan? Or did you, did you finish the season above 500? Uh, we did not finish. We did finish above 500. You're supposed to know these things, Dave. I know I'm supposed to know these things. Shush. Uh, look it up. Michigan, Michigan, where are you, Michigan? Now I've got the Chattanooga Chugus stuck in my head. So anyway, let's talk about something while I look up. All right. Um, speaking of Michigan and Ann Arbor, it's we talked about last week how the um, Seattle Inquirer, well, the Seattle Pittsburgh in something, the Seattle PI Post Intelligence Intelligence, yeah, whatever, whatever it's okay. called. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but the Ann Arbor News is following suit. They announced that the Ann Arbor News is going to be becoming an online-only source of news at annarbor.com. Which I wonder how I want to know s- how they managed to yeah how to get that name. Um, I don't know. They probably had to pay for it. Well, I'm wondering if maybe the city gave it to them. I don't know. Isn't there a way to look up the history of the? Um, I'm not sure if you can look up the history of who owns domains. I'll be a who is history lookup? Maybe I don't know. I have to check that out. Uh, yeah, so have you looked at the, the website yet? It looks like the cover of a newspaper. Really? The Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor. I haven't been there yet. It looks like the front page of a newspaper. There's a video there of a guy who has wearing a shirt who's which is too big for him. His head's cocked slightly to the side, and he's got a little bit of a smirk. Yeah, Michigan did not finish with a 500 season this year. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it, it was much worse than that. Yeah. It was three to nine. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. That that now it reminded me. Yes, I had blocked it from my memory. You can never forget, Dave. Never forget. Well, do you know what the the theme is this year? Um, reload, rebuild. All in for Michigan. <laughs> this sounds like now? an incredibly bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> All or nothing. From Michigan. Mm. Mm. I'm trying these new uh, Hershey mm. Kisses. Cookies and cream. They have new Hershey Oh. They're delicious. Oh. All right, Dave, what do you want to talk about next? Oh, how about we get out of the way the numbers? Oh, fine. If we want to get out of the numbers. February. We're in our recession, but still, um, what is it compared to last year? Uh, total games is up 10% compared to last year. $1.47 billion. Top selling hardware, Wii is on top with 753,000. DS, 588,000. 360, 391,000. PS3, PSP, and then PS2 are all under 300,000. I can't believe the PS2 is still selling. I can. It's cheap. That is true. Um, number one selling game was the Wii Fit with Balance Board, followed by Street Fighter 4 for the 360 and the PS3. What do you think? Have you been playing the Street Fighter 4 game at all or no? I played once, actually. The same time uh, that I played it as well? Yeah. You, you were with us when we played that. Yeah, it's fun. It's a, a, it's a well put together game. I mean, it's Street Fighter. It's kind of hard to go wrong. Yeah. Then again, Mortal Kombat showed us that it is possible to go wrong. Uh, but you know, they they kept it to the basic formula, which Hadouken is... is still ridiculously overpowered. Yes, that's the uppercut, right? Or is that no. the fireball? That's the fireball. Okay. The Shoryuken is the uh, the uppercut. Ah, crazy I Japanese. Think. <laughs> Are you making fun of a language? Yes. Yes, I am. Andy. You know better than that. <laughs> Why? Andy. Isn't the fiddler on the roof stuff a language? The fiddler on the roof stuff. 
Which I was a rich man. La 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 la. No, those are lyrics to a song. Oh. Those aren't lyrics, they're just non It's lyrics to a song. But that's not a that's not a language of anything? Not that I'm aware of. Oh. Anyway, number four was we play with remote again. This thing it's like it's unstoppable. <laughs> we play with remote. One of the best selling games out there. Yeah. Ridiculous. Well, Andy, if the 360 or the PS3 were to package one of their controllers with a game and sell it for like, you know, five bucks more than the price of a controller, it would sell really well. That is true. Have you seen those new um, bright red controllers? For the 360? 360. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Eh, whatever. (laughs) You can put a layer of paint on the controller. It doesn't change the controller. Uh, So you don't like the 360 controller? 360 controller is fine. No, it's fine. It's a lot of buttons, but it's fine. It's not really that many buttons. How many Super Nintendo had? One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, this one has eight, though. No, the the PS PS2 controller had eight. Mm-hmm. Or is it the PS3? No, PS2 had uh, ten. So you had the up, down, left, right. All right, right. so there's, there's the D-pad, which I'm counting as one. Okay. All right. There were four buttons on the right. Yeah, the X, the, the triangle. The DualShock had two analog sticks, had the start, the select, and it had the four shoulders. It's exactly the same as the 360 controller. Ah. They're just placed differently. And the 360 controller has the Xbox button. Yeah, well, that's not really a button. That's just a... Well, it's a button you can accidentally press and pause things. Yeah, that kind of sucks. <laughs> but there's... You're right. There's, so it's not that many buttons. We're used to that many buttons. Yeah. But then you go back to, like, the Atari. Yeah, which was one button. One button. Or you go to the Wiimote, which has... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, D-pad, analog stick. Really? I thought it was just the A, B, Z, and the X button. Or the A, B, X, Y, Z. There's the A, the B, the plus, the minus, the home... The one, the two, the analog stick, the D-pad, Do the Z button, and the C Do games actually use the plus and, and minus in the one and two? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. Especially the classic games. I did not know that. Where you, you turn the Wiimote on its side and use it like a classic controller? Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I know. Speaking of the Wii, though, out of GDC, there's an uh, announcement came from Nintendo CEO. Oh, Yes, they are unveiling the new system menu for the Wii. Ooh, is this 4.0? Yes, this is 4.0. As I keep up on the Wii uh, development level, not at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't even know they were at 4. I Neither were at, did like, I. Two. I know where my Wii is, sort of. Sort of? It's not at my parents' anymore. <laughs> so where is it? I'm letting a friend use it. <laughs> Which friend? Uh, Nick. Okay. I'm sure it's far more use with him than it ever got with me. Well, maybe ever, but more use with him than it, it's gotten with me in a long time. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good thing. So it doesn't matter then that um, the uh, Wii menu can um, use SD cards up to 32 gigabytes inside, which means SD high-capacity cards now. That's pretty cool. 
and I'm, I'm impressed with that and like it because all it is is basically just a, a software upgrade mm-hmm. and um you can actually now download content to the sd cards and run virtual console games off the card i like that so you could have basically just all your nes virtual console games on a card on a card and then swap that out with with all the Sega ones that are on a card. And with a 32-gigabyte card, you don't need to swap them out. Do you think you could fit all the Nintendo and the Sega games and everything Oh, I'm pretty card? sure you could fit the entire Nintendo and Sega library onto a single card. That would be interesting. There is no way it is more than 32 gigabytes. Hmm. They are tiny. 32 gigabytes is huge. Well, what's was the average size of a Nintendo game? Probably in the kilobytes. Probably. Tell you what, I will go and find out the size of a ROM. Because <laughs> you know where to look, you evil, yes. evil man. Certainly not on my computer, but no. I know where to look. Yes. Because we don't participate in evil nature things. Right. Have you ever used Evernote, by the way? What's that? Uh, never mind. I'll talk. We'll talk later about it. <laughs> okay. It it has nothing to do with really anything, but it's it's a cool program. Where the hell? Would it? I can't. Oh, um, the one downside though is you can't load your save games off of the uh, SD cards. So no transferring of save game files. Uh-oh. Nope. The save game file on my Wii, or you'll you'll have to load the save game file from your Wii. It's like a one or the other, or well, um, I'm I'm guessing because I'm looking at the images from Joystick about it that they say that you can't load the save game files from the SD card. You have to um, transfer them to the Wii's internal memory. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There's also a Final Fantasy game on the Wii now. Final Fantasy IV. Yeah, this the is after the years. I don't know what that. Yeah, means. it was. They released it for the iPhone, not the iPhone, for a phone as a sequel. Oh, okay. So, hmm. huh. have you found okay. anything yet? I have not. You're and I think I just froze past the computer. Is that why your audio is breaking up now? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm gonna stop that. <laughs> Am I back? Yes, you are. Okay. Let's try it this way. Nintendo file sizes. See what we get. Anything? I'm looking. What's next on the list? Um, Something that I also found out was, um, speaking of file sizes and such, Sony actually charges publishers bandwidth fees for downloadable content. Oh, eight kilobytes, by the way, for an NES file. Okay. Um, Publishers had to pay 16 cents per gigabyte for both paid and free downloadable content. How much per kilobyte? 16 cents per gigabyte. Oh, per gigabyte. Okay. Per gigabyte, yes. That's off of like the Sony. This was Sony doing it? Yes. It's for stuff off the Sony. So they're just renting out their server space and bandwidth. Yes. Does Microsoft do the same? Um, I doesn't say. It doesn't seem so. Mm. Sony didn't used to charge stuff. Now they are. So I'm guessing Xbox doesn't. But maybe Xbox will start to charge people for downloadable content. Don't know. Which will start to bite them in the butt, I guess, sooner or later. Mm-hmm. It looks like AnnArbor.com was previously MLive. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I think. 
Wait, wait, maybe not. Domainspry.com. You must be a gold member to view other domains. Oh, snap. Well, looking at the historical thumbnail, it looks like April 13th, 2008 was MLive. Okay. So, yes. Speaking of old websites that are new again. Yeah. Battle.net came back. Basically from the dead. Well, a lot of people still use it for StarCraft. Yeah. South Koreans and such. And people here. And Dota for uh, Warcraft. Warcraft 3. Mm-hmm. And we're back. Yeah, I guess looking for ROMs and somebody on the internet got pissed off and killed our I Skype connection. I wasn't looking for ROMs on the internet. <laughs> I gave up on that. Do you want to know what I searched? I searched Nintendo file size, and I looked up something that told me about the architecture of a .NES file. Oh. Hmm. So there. <laughs> neener, neener, neener. Right, so anyway... The, on the Ann Arbor News. <laughs> Maybe it was the Ann Arbor News website. Hmm. We never know. But we're back now. So we're back. Good. So, Battle.net. Yes. Um, are, are, okay, tell me about the new Battle.net. Um, you're going to have to... Well, it, it basically is... Battle.net's going to be uh, an entry portal for all of the Blizzard titles. So StarCraft, Warcraft 3, Diablo 2, StarCraft 2, Diablo 3, World of Warcraft. It's all going to be under the umbrella. So it's Steam for WoW? Well, not really WoW, but Steam Blizzard. for Blizzard. Yeah. So um, currently creating a Battle.net account and merging World of Warcraft accounts is entirely optional. I already did it. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to sign. If I ever go back to World of Warcraft, I'm going to have to sign in with my Battle.net account email and password and um starcraft 2 and diablo 3 are going to require battle.net accounts as well Hmm. so basically all your games are going to be under one email one password which kind of scares me a little bit because there have been people didn't you get your warcraft password and stuff hacked yeah yeah so they'd be able to basically get the the universal password for everything then for all my Blizzard stuff? Yep. Yeah, it's not too exciting. But it's going to be the future. You're going to have to... They say they're going to switch everybody over from... Uh, require all active World of Warcraft accounts to migrate over at some point. Yep. I'm actually taking care of that as we speak. <laughs> but I looked at it earlier, and it looks... I mean, whatever. It, it's another... I'm actually kind of happy about it. How so? My question is, how are they going to handle people with multiple WoW accounts? <laughs> That's what I'd like to know. The power users are going to get nipped in the bud. No, it won't. I mean, they're going to have something for it. Yeah. It'll just be like, enter your one account, and then here's your list of all your different accounts. But how about but the people who are about gonna... how they're going to integrate it? The dual boxers? How is that going to work? They'll log into their account on more than one box. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be the future, though. Blizzard is turning into Steam. Yep. Steam, Impulse, and now Battle.net. And Games for Windows stuff is probably going that way as well. Yeah. Isn't that like Games for Live or something now? 
Oh, it's considered games for Windows. Okay. If I correctly. <clears throat> but speaking of Steam, oh, look at that! I'm going for the combo oh, here. What a nice, nice jump over! Yes, speaking of Steam, um, at GDC they have announced some of their new uh, expansion of services, including one that's called the Custom Executable Generation Technology. Custom Execution. So, Kegged. well, no, it's, it's yeah, keg, C E G, C E G T. Well, the, no, the they call it custom executable generation because it's a three-letter acronym. Okay, so so C E G. Yeah, Sedge. I'm gonna call it keg with a hard C. Okay, because the alcohol makes it more funny. Sure, why not? Um, but keg will make unique copies of the game for each user. And allow them that unique copy to be installed on whatever games, how many machines they want to. So it's going to replace DRM. The only problem is you're going to have to be connected to your Steam account wherever it's installed. So you can only have one person. Like you can have the the, the code to install it on many computers as you want, but you're only allowed to have one person. Online at a time. Yes. Okay. So... They're kind of giving up DRM in favor of you must be connected to the internet. Is the way I see it. Mm, but is it connected to the internet every time, or is it connected to the internet only on the install? Because currently on Steam games, right? You. Whoa! Hello. That probably didn't come over, did it? I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, because the the WoW or the Battle.net website just went like. <laughs> I'm a little freaked out. So, hang on. okay. So, as I was saying, when you download a Steam game, especially if you've pre-ordered, right, it downloads the whole thing, but then you need to connect to activate it. Mm-hmm. So, is that how it's going to be? Is if if that's it, I don't like to do that anyways. As long as I'm given a heads up and say like, you must connect to the internet on install. That's fine. I don't mind that. But if it says you must connect to the internet every time you want to play, then there's a problem. I think it's – I personally think – we'll have to double-check this at some point. But this was just announced like a day or two ago. So um, I honestly think if you have a unique code that's set up with a person, it's each time you're going to have to connect back to the Steam server in order to check to see is this the only one that's online right now. So I honestly think you're going to have to connect every single time you want to play a game on Steam. See, but I like right now I don't have to. I know, but I'm thinking with this version, right. this custom executable generation that only I mean, well, I don't know. Cuz only we'll one out. is allowed on time online at a <laughs> time. Yeah, but that's online. What about playing locally only on that computer? Hold on. I can right now turn Portal on. Well, not right now because my desktop doesn't work. If my desktop were working, I could log into Steam. Actually, I don't even need to. I can start Steam offline and play Portal. And I can log into Steam online and play Portal on my laptop. And if I had a third computer, I could log into Steam offline and play Portal. Um, now, I wouldn't have access to the Steam community on two out of the three computers. All right, here we go. I actually found another website out here that takes a closer look at it. 
So okay. when you download a CEG-protected game from Steam, you get two components. You get your game exactly without the C, without the keg, and then you get the executable itself for the game, which is slightly different in size, and that's where the keg is located. Oh, okay. Each executable is encrypted uniquely and keyed to your Steam account. Only your account can decrypt the code and run the game. You can copy it between computers, but only when you are logged into Steam will it pull the key down. Hmm. So you'll have to be online to play. Yes. All right, that's not so cool. If someone else logs into Steam, they will need to download the executable file of the game to get things going, not download a completely new copy. Mm. I'm not sure why they went that direction. It's all about cloud computing now. Yeah. really is, isn't it? Yep. Kind of explains something else that you have on the list. Oh. Mm. Oh, what? I, I was going for that for the next part of the combo. Yeah, uh, I beat you too. You were just kind of saying, like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right, Dave, go after this Tell one. me about on live. And, oh, you want me to? Okay. <laughs> well, if you want me to go, I can do it. Well, no, it, it you know, I, yeah, I can't speak right now. Well, I'm now just chewing pizza, so. Oh, well, you bastard. I'm sorry, oh, the pizza came. Pizza? You can't so have on pizza. live is a, kind of a, a cross between Steam and GameTap. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a digital distribution service, but it plays the games somewhere else. You send it the inputs, and it sends you the outputs, and none of the crunching gets done on your machine. That's got to be some lag. Well, they're actually saying that it's going to be, like, basically lag-free. <laughs> you know, I, I can imagine if they have enough bandwidth and you don't have torrents running, it'll be fine. Yeah, the bandwidth is going to be the key on this thing, though. Which yeah. I'm guessing it's going to require a broadband connection. Yeah, oh, by hitting I, a button, I think can... that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. So basically, I, instead of having my Xbox 360, I have this little thing plugged into either my computer or my TV and a broadband connection. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to worry about game discs or anything. I just pull whatever I've bought off the web. So basically, I could take this anywhere else that has a broadband connection. Yeah. And play so my you stuff. get to carry your entire library with you. Uh, the the era of the supercomputers at the house will be over. You won't have to spend $3,000 on a computer. The whole... Um, Netbooks will become ridiculously popular. Well, yeah, because it's, it's the whole idea of terminal computing. Cloud computing is just another name for terminal computing now. Yep. But we already went through well, terminal computers. yes-ish. Yes, terminals. I, in, when you think of a terminal, you were contacting a specific computer, a single specific, like exact computer. Yes. When I'm when you're doing cloud computing, you're talking to a bank of servers. Okay, so it's taken the idea of the terminal and expanded it to yes, lots of computers instead of just a yep. single one, but a lot of computers that act like a single computer. Right. And, I mean, basically what's happened is terminal computing worked. It was great. What happened was that the technology for the computer outpaced the technology for the transmission. It was cheaper and more efficient for people to have a more powerful computer at home. 
But the other direction, it, it's been catching up. Yeah. The, it's easier to transmit data. You can transmit it faster. So you've got, what, the 100 gigabit or 1,000 gigabit Ethernet cables now with Cat6? Something like that. That's more your area than mine. Well, I'm trying to remember exactly how fast Cat6 can go. But broadband connections slowly, especially in the U.S., expanding outwards very, very slowly. Mm-hmm. But it's still going to be faster to have a local computer in front of me. Not for long. But it's... Not for long. Right now... For, for right now, yeah. You're you're still better off having a local machine. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Dave, right now, what is the slowest part of the connection in, between my me, my computer, and you and your computer? Well, it's the connection between them is the, yes. the, the broadband connection. But I'd say maybe five years from now. What, do you think it's going to be WiMAX, or do you think it's going to be what? Fiber? Uh, I think fiber is going to get a huge push in the next couple of years. Fiber is expensive to get out to people. Yes, but... I think people are going to be willing to pay for it. Maybe. Cities will want to pay for it. You see, that was the the thing with the um, cable broadband internet connections was easy because you already had the cable connections to all the houses. Mm-hmm. You just switched from analog to digital. Fiber, you have to bury all the cable. You have to string all yeah, the cable. Yeah, they're going there. to have to go out and actually rebury a lot of the cable, and it's going to be expensive, and it's going to be exclusive. But once the big cities get it, then the smaller businesses are going to want to get it to compete. When the smaller businesses get it, the company needs to lay down the infrastructure for that area anyways. So why not spend half as much as it would to come back later and do it and just do the whole damn thing? It's going to spread. I, not as quickly as you think, though. Okay, maybe not five years. Five no. years is being a little overly optimistic. I will bet you in 20 years, my parents will not have the uh, option of getting fiber to their house. The option? Yes. The, uh, you know, Andy, I'm not going to take <laughs> in 20 years or within 20 years? Within 20 years. Okay. They're not going to have – well, okay, they could get the option to get fiber to their house right now, but it's going to be really expensive because there's nobody in our – they're not running fiber in right, the area. Right, so you got to clarify your bet. Yeah, I'm going to have to think about it before I really Because what you're saying line. right now, I'm, I'm willing to take it because sometime in there they'll have the option. Uh, but in 20 years, the option might not be there anymore. <laughs> well, I, mean, I was just trying to point out the fact, though, that my parents live basically almost on farmland. Mm-hmm. And, and it took forever to even get cable, okay. to get DSL in the area. I still know people who can't get cable. It's not offered in their area. Yeah, I know some of those people as well. So I, I understand what you're talking about, but cable is not even 20 years old. No. So in 20 years, fiber, yeah, I'd say your parents will have the opportunity. Now they might not take it. Right, it would be the cost versus... Right. Cost versus... But they'll have the opportunity. But I still think that it's going to – local computing is still going to be faster than whatever you can do through transmission. It's going to be faster. It's going to be cheaper. Mm-hmm. So would this be kind of neat not having to worry about like bringing my 360 or anywhere or having a really fast computer? Yes, it'll be nice, but I would rather actually well, have the is, power at home. This is the foundation of the service. And you know, if you'd rather have the power at home, that's fine. 
I'm sick and tired of paying, you know, like fifteen hundred for a really nice computer. That um, and watching it fall apart again and again. And then I have to keep replacing parts and maintaining it. And I'd rather buy a little box that just plugs in. Now, would you rather pay like two hundred, three hundred dollars for the box and pay for the games, or would you rather have it kind of like? Um... Gamefly, which is a subscription. I don't know. I think a subscription might be nice as long as I get like you know unlimited games whenever I want them with digital distribution. Hmm. I know we'll have to see about this because I'm a bunch of people are still thinking this is sort of a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this you were talking about vaporware. This looks like vaporware. Speaking also of vaporware. Ooh, oh, nice way. Nice one. The new Tesla came out. Yeah. It's not really vaporware because they say that because the Tesla itself is already out, the original Tesla. People have driven them, Top Gear, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but they announced their sedan version for f- under $50,000, seven-seater electric, supposed to come out in 2011. 300-mile range, 45-minute fast charge capability, zero to 60 time of 5.5 seconds. Not bad. Um, side note, it was kind of funny. The There was an embargo on this thing because people have been wanting to see this for the year or so that they've talked about the sedan version. And um, Kevin Rose actually accidentally broke the embargo when he uploaded pictures of it to his Flickr account. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nothing like breaking an embargo mere hours before your giant press thing. Oops. Um. But why I say it's vaporware is most people were thinking, okay, the the original Tesla was built off of a Lotus Elise chassis. Mm-hmm. Lotus, and hopefully you know that name as a car company. Yeah. Um. So the test, the people here was looking at at the pictures. They were actually looking at the tires and working at some of the stuff, and they're thinking, okay, maybe it's built off of a Mercedes platform or something. But Tesla's CEO said the platform is their own design and they plan on manufacturing it themselves. That just smells like vaporware to me. You know, I could see it, but I'm not sure if they'd be able to pass all the safety standards that they might be required to. That's what I'm thinking. Like, if if you go, sure, you're going to have to pay money for another car chassis, but you know the chassis, all the, the millions and millions of dollars that have gone into designing the chassis. But then I've seen... Like custom built cars, home built cars that are roadworthy. It's not going to get like a five star crash safety rating, but no. it's it could still be roadworthy. All right, so here's a question for you: Would you rather have the Tesla model for fifty thousand dollars, or would you have? Let's see, what's the the Tata is going to be? What two thousand uh, dollars? So well, you, given like my choice, I'd go with the Tesla. <laughs> Rather than the Tata for two thousand, well, haven't you got a couple of Tatas? For two- I do not want a fleet of cars. <laughs> I have no use for a fleet of cars. You know what I'd like? I'd like a Buick. That's what I'd like. You, you like an old Buick, one of the nineties? No, Buicks no, one like of the like the Lucerne would be fine. Okay. All right. What do we got next? Uh, I lost the link. I know what we've got next. What? There's no nice segue into this one, so I'm just going to take over. Oh, combo breaker. Combo breaker. Combo breaker, Utah. Yeah, there's no segue into that at all. Uh, <laughs> oh, we we actually had one earlier and we missed it. 
We did. Yeah. Your weird, funky trees. Oh. Oh, well. Utah. Jack Thompson's bill. House the, Bill 353 passed the, the House. It passed the Senate. the Senate. But did not pass the governor. Oh, combo breaker. Governor John Huntsman of Utah vetoed the bill and explained why. Ooh, wow. Do we want to quote this? Oh, I think, I think this is quite nice. While protecting children from inappropriate materials is a laudable goal, the language of this bill is so broad that it will likely be struck down by the courts as an unconstitutional violation of the Dormant Commerce Clause and or the First Amendment. The industries most affected by this new requirement indicated that rather than risk being held liable under this bill, they would likely choose to no longer issue age-appropriate labels on goods and services. <laughs> oh, Therefore, the unintended consequence of the bill would be that parents and children would have no labels to guide them in determining the age appropriateness of the goods or service, thereby increasing children's potential exposure to something they or their parents would have otherwise determined was inappropriate under the voluntary labeling system now being recognized and embraced by a significant majority of vendors. Smart guy. Yes. Now, uh... Jack Thompson had a response to that. Really? Yes. Has he posted it? Um, he said he got suckered by the video game industry. He's speaking of the governor here. Yeah. And he also pointed out that he circulated public records showing in May 2006 a campaign contribution for of $500 from the video game publishers, the ESA, Thompson accused the industry of buying Huntsman's veto for $500 back in 2006. All right, two things. First off, if they had the foresight to do that in 2006, Jack Thompson doesn't stand a chance against them. Second off, if you can buy a veto for $500, man, I am going to Lansing. <laughs> yeah, they pointed this out to Thompson, but they did not get a response. <laughs> Where did he say this? I'm looking at game politics. Basically, their entire front page is about this Utah bill, which is kind of funny. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. my goodness. I can't believe. Wow. He says, if your veto is not overridden, they will be back to then we will be back with a bill to ban the sale of these products altogether. Oh, right. Because that's going to pass the legislature. <sighs> Oh my goodness! I think uh, yeah the, the 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 First Amendment might have something to say about that. <laughs> Jack and, should just go after the porn industry; it'll be easier. <laughs> and uh, Jack Thompson says that they were going they were going to try and override the veto, but um, the Utah House Majority Leader says, "I don't see a veto override session called for either of these bills." Yeah, they they passed this thing as just politics. I don't think most of them even wanted to do the the actual. No. It was like, you know what? We should do it. Please, Jack Thompson, get him off our backs and call it a day. We'll let the governor veto it. He's not going to pass it. If he does, the courts are going to strike it down. Let's just do it. Oh, Jack Thompson, the same old story. Wow. 
That is just fantastic. <laughs> same old, same old. I'm glad it didn't get to the courts now, though, because oh, that would just be wasting taxpayers' money. The governor is like, you know... It's, it's... It was already wasting taxpayer money. <laughs> well, not more of taxpayer money, then. Yeah. So. Dear God, this guy needs to stop. <laughs> He's never going to stop. Not until the final video game is off the shelf somewhere. And rap, and rock and roll, and movies, and... Is he going to turn into Tipper Gore? I'm waiting for him to start burning books, personally. Oh, that would be funny. Because really, I I think that that's, like, next. <laughs> oh, so I'm thinking, um... How much we got? Just the the last one on the list. Last on the list. Oh, the MP3 mine? HD. I guess not mine. No. Well, I could bring up yours later. Okay. Uh, okay. So second, I forgot to reload the page. You're right. The high definition MP3. Yes. It's an MP3 file, so it's an MP3 format. It uses the MP3 file extension, but mm-hmm. it stores a lossless MP3 track along with the regular lossy MP3 track. Okay. So, so on devices that could play the lossless file, like your computer, it will play the high-quality lossless audio file, and then it will be backwards compatible with your iPod and stuff, which would play the lossless file, or like whatever... The lossy version. Yes. Interesting. Yes. That's going to be a large file. Yes, it is. Um, Using the default settings, the file size was 48 megabytes. Just five megabytes larger than a file ripped with FLAC, which is also another lossless audio format. This is a free lossless audio. Yeah. <clears throat> um, a 320 kilobyte MP3, which is going to be pretty, basically the highest quality um, MP3 file you're going to want to listen to, mm-hmm. was only 14.6 megabytes. Was this the same file? No, no, this was the... the MP3, the HD MP3 file was 48 megabytes. Right, 320 kilobit MP3 file, the same song, yeah. Okay, so it, it was the same file encoded two different ways. Yes. Okay, it wouldn't be much of a comparison if it weren't. Yeah. So, I'm going to, what, instead of taking all these 320 kilobyte MP3 files, and that's, that's a waste of space. Yeah, pretty much. Who's behind this? Uh, Thompson, the guys who actually have the, uh, I think they're the ones who actually own the MP3 <coughs> patent. Which no one pays them for. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. No. MP3 support is so widespread that no one's going to bother. Plus, actually, if you if you already have this with the iPod Shuffle, I would love it if they actually did this to all the rest of the iPods. But I've got all my files on my computer as Apple lossless stuff. You can do that. I'm pretty sure you can do that for all the iPods. But the well, I can't find it on the list there. But the for the shuffle, you can tell it to autofill with an X number of songs, and you can tell it to convert them all to 128 kilobit MP3 files. So on my computer, they're lossless, which is nice to listen to with my headphones. Mm-hmm. But if I'm out at like the gym or something, listening through my tiny iPod or uh, Panasonic little earbuds. I don't really care about audio quality. I just care about music, and it will downgrade them and throw them on there for me, mm. which is – it's already built in the – so this is 
This is vapor. I was going to go with the vaporware from the Tesla to this, but oh well. All right, what's what's your one on the bottom here? My one on the bottom is a website called AndroidAndMe.com. Okay. At least I think that's Android and, and yes, yeah, AndroidAndMe.com. And this is something they started before another version two called the Android Bounty. Okay. And this is kind of a call to developers and to users. And the users submit ideas that they have for applications. Oh, so it's kind and of like then, a, a wanted list sort of thing. Yeah, it, it's a wanted list of applications. And they, the website goes through the list and says, aha, that will be the next one on our bounty list. At which point, people can donate to the bounty fund. So there is currently, as the time of recording, if my computer were to respond, yeah, you're starting to break up, Dave. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. As I was saying, if there were uh, the current bounty is at three hundred, not three hundred, one hundred and thirty dollars. Oh, uh, for a port of Quake to Android. Okay, one hundred and thirty dollars for. So would that be it? Would they get the rights to that then for the one hundred and thirty dollars or? Nope. So the the developer writes the program. And sends the package to Android and me, who then verifies that it works. Anyone who donates to the fund also gets a copy of it. After that, the package belongs to the developer. Oh. The developer, it's, it's an incentive to write a program. It's not purchasing it. It's just an incentive. So then the developer can take that and go to the market. They can go free. They can say, I'm going to charge for it. They can do whatever. They could lock it in a closet. Hmm. But it's it's just incentive for people to start working on stuff. Well, that's kind of a neat idea. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy that there that someone's doing this, and I I'd, I'd like to promote it, which is kind of why I'm talking about it here. <laughs> for our massive developer crowd. Oh yeah, yeah. You you know how many we've got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I guess we're near the end, so now I have to go to the random topic. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, so I rolled while Dave was getting his laptop set up since his desktop is broken again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rub it in. I found that I do have two open ESETA ports. Not ESETA, uh, two open SATA ports. What are you going to do? Start creating a raid? Well, I've already got a raid, but now I can add two more drives. Oh. I have two terabytes sitting in a box under my futon. And because I hadn't quite looked at my motherboard closely enough, I didn't see that there's two open SATA ports. I'm like, oh, crap, I can't put anything else in there. I can put in another two drives. Hmm. Well, speaking of our random topic, Harold, which was the biggest waste of time. Besides repairing electronics? But you do it anyway. Well, I, I repair electronics. By that, I mean my computer. And hard drives, and is that your biggest waste of time? Oh God, no! Well, the podcast. No, I don't waste time on the podcast. I don't see the podcast as a waste of time. I like this podcast. <laughs> you don't spend much time. In I don't spend a lot of time doing it, but I love it. I love it. Uh, biggest waste of time. But you well, do it anyway. World of Warcraft. Does that count? Do you actually see that as a waste of time? I, well, it depends what you're defining as a waste of time. A waste of time and a time waster are two different things. Well, it should be two different things. Mm. A time waster, I'd call, I'd call WoW a time waster. Yeah. 
I don't know about a waste of time. Um, flash games. Flash games. You think those are your biggest? Waste uh, that's of time? probably my biggest time sink. Flash games. Yeah. Why? What's your biggest time sink, Andy? I I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, you show me like a really good flash game, especially a puzzle one, like audit was it auditorium? Yeah. You go to playauditorium.com. That's a fantastic flash game. My biggest waste of time, I honestly think things like Wikipedia and such. Wikipedia, the forums. The forums, where it just it draws you in, and you, you have to like physically step away from it. Because it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, I could do this. And then it's just the... Oh, one, this. Ooh, look at that. One thing leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. Wikipedia is a pretty big one. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to agree with that. Oh, what a... <coughs> I've always thought, though, that me personally, like, sleeping seems to be a waste of time. It's like, if I ever have a chance of getting some sort of pill or something that could cut down on my hours of sleep. There are several. I know, but without any sort of consequences. It, mm, that's a little harder. Do you know last night I went to bed at 9.45? What time did you get up? 7.15. Wow. Oh, it was fantastic. I could have slept for another three hours. It's <laughs> because the plague. The plague, Dave. No, I don't think it was the plague. Oh, Black Death? No, wait. Um, bubonic? You just named the same thing three times. Oh. I didn't know there were the three. The bubonic plague was the Black Death, which was commonly referred to as just the plague. Oh. The things you... I wonder if Wikipedia has something about that. I'm sure it does. <laughs> All right, so here... Before you just typed in the Black Death or the plague or bubonic plague, what was the last thing before the podcast you typed into Wikipedia? What was the last thing before the podcast that I typed into Wikipedia? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Let me see what the last thing I typed into. Um, before the podcast, I typed in... What was I doing right before that? No, the world's largest organism that was with the podcast. Um, Knights of Sidonia was the last Knights thing I... of Sidonia? Yes. It's the last what is thing I... that? It's a song from Guitar Hero 3. Ah, okay. Because Muse had announced that they were going to be the... Uh, Muse, the, the band that does Knights of Sidonia, announced that they were going to be the... Um, the, the, the leading act for U2 during the U.S. tour dates. Hmm. That's what I typed into Wikipedia. Okay. Any reason for that? Well, I was just curious, because it is such a waste of time, and you do it so much. I do. <sighs> well, I, I think that's that's it. Wikipedia is my answer. Okay. And if you excuse me, I'm going to go and continue to wander through Wikipedia. To search it. <laughs> Why are Andy? Why are Formula One racing cars so much more expensive than any other car? The amount of engineering of Formula One racing cars is ridiculous. Okay, but I mean, once it's engineered, don't you think that should be kind of it? No, there's always trying to improve Formula One all the time. All right. <laughs> Where did that come from? Wikipedia. <laughs> all right, we need to stop this. All right, we're done. <laughs>